Welcome to the first season of Average Joe's Rawcast. My name is Joe Fuentes. I'm a husband, a father of two teenagers, a 17-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. Also a father of four pets, two dogs and two cats. I've been a nursing home administrator since 2001. I am a co-owner of Chill Pots, a paint-your-own pottery studio. A very cool place that my run my wife runs on a daily basis. So welcome to my podcast and here we go. Welcome back to another Rawcast. So I usually do these on either Sunday or Monday, but I wanted to wait until the uh, big presidential debate was over and give my take on that. So uh, I will give my take on the presidential debate that happened last evening. But first, I'm going to give some updates on the fires here in Colorado. So let's do first the uh, Grizzly Creek Fire. And that is the one that's in Glenwood Canyon. And if you remember, that started back on August 10th. That is now 91% contained. And it hasn't grown in the last couple of weeks. It still has burnt 32,431 acres. So firefighters are now just going to monitor and take action if needed. But it looks like the Glenwood Canyon fire, the Grizzly Creek fire, is pretty much going to... uh, fizzle out and that is great news the next fire is the pine gulch fire and that was the one that was north of grand junction and the total burned on that was 140,000 acres and as of september 12th it is 100 percent contained so another great news on another fire that was a big one 140,000 acres Uh, the Pine Gulch fire. So now it is completely contained and won't have to give any more updates on that. So that's great. And then the uh, William Fork fire in Frazier. It's uh, not much growth growth in the last uh, week or so. It's uh, 14% contained is all it is. It's burned about 12,900 acres but with that not much growth, hopefully with some of the snow coming and the moisture up in the mountains, that one will be go, uh, getting contained uh, better here in the near future. Now, the big one is for us is the Cameron Peak Fire. And if you remember, that one's uh, west of Fort Collins. And right now that is 125,000 acres burn and 21% contained at the moment. Last time I reported on the Cameron Peak fire, it was 102,500 acres burned. So it has burned more acreage. Uh, It was only 15% contained at that time, and now it's 21% contained. So that is um, going the right direction on containment. That is now the third largest wildfire in Colorado history so that's um, continuing to grow and hopefully it's not going to be the second or first largest hopefully they can get that contained more we are really feeling the effects of that I think last night and today is probably the most that I felt effects from that Cameron Peak fire and maybe some of the California fires coming this way the smoke blowing this way 
I woke up about five o'clock this morning and our house smelt like we had a uh, fireplace going with logs burning at a pretty good pace. I mean, it the whole house and we didn't have any of the windows open. It was really smoky. And man, my eyes are really feeling it today. So um, a little uh, information on that Cameron Peak fire also is they have 815 fire personnel on the scene battling that fire. And uh, the crews typically rotate about every 14 days, but those current teams have been in place for 21 days. So, uh, man, I bet you they're tired and our thoughts are with them. And with that Camera Peak fire too, 33 houses so far have been destroyed from that fire. So, you know, I guess if you live in the mountains, you kind of have to expect some of this. Kind of like if you live in uh, uh, New Orleans or places like that and it's at sea level, you're going to have to expect, I guess, on hurricanes that if you're at sea level, you're going to maybe get wiped out by the uh by the water and if you're in the mountains i guess it's a risk you take that you know we could you could possibly have a fire like this and wipe out your property you know i think a lot of this has to do and especially it seems like in california they have a lot of talk about this but i'm sure colorado too is um the big thing is they they don't uh go in and manage the forest good enough you know, if they have little fires, they continually put them out and uh, it just continually builds up. And when they do have a big fire outbreak, you know, it's going to it has plenty to burn. So I think forest management is a big part of that. You know, I know people say climate change and that, too, but uh, possibly that could be it with some of the higher temperatures. But definitely forest management has a lot to do with it. So that is the latest on these uh, fires and hopefully we will have better news next time okay next we're going to talk about the big presidential debate the reason i did a wednesday raw cast instead of a sunday or monday raw cast so the debate <laughs> wow so I was kind of looking forward to this debate all day. It's kind of like a heavyweight fight. You know, you're anticipating it, look forward, thought there'd be a battle, thought there'd be some big punches thrown, thought there'd be some blood. Basically, these two yahoos, they clutched and uh, kind of grabbed ass and that kind of thing. And really, there was no real fireworks, I didn't think. Um, yeah, the, it kind of reminded me of Halloween come early is what it was. I mean, Biden was white and pale like a ghost and, uh, Trump looked like a big pumpkin head. So kind of reminded me of Halloween. Uh, so these two, I mean, they look so old in this debate. I mean, they look like a couple of great grandpas up there debating kind of reminded me of a resident council president debate at the nursing home. You know, they're about in that same age group. I think the camera on the TV definitely put about 10 to 15 years on each of them. Uh, they definitely were showing their age plus. And, you know, like I've said in other podcasts and uh, I think a couple other podcasts where we were talking about politics. You know, we are the best country. We are the greatest country in the world. And these are the two yahoos that we are picking to be our president. This is the best we can do. 
holy cow, that is very sad, I think. Uh, I mean, God, there has to be better people out there, especially after watching this debate. I think all of us are probably thinking that. You know, it's kind of funny, though, before the debate, I noticed Trump was kind of trying to cover his ass in case he did get beat in this debate, in case, uh, you know, as he calls him, Sleepy Joe Biden, in case he didn't fall asleep and slobber on the uh, microphone. He was saying that um, he knows Biden was going to take some PED, some performing performance-enhancing drugs. Well, the funny thing is, is... Uh, that Trump has been accused uh, in the past of being on Adderall. So, you know, what I say is usually the guilty person accuses the other. So I think probably both of them are on performance enhancing drugs and at their age and um, they probably need to be. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. So a few of my takes on the debate last night, um, uh, First one is, I think we do need a flat tax. Uh, you know, uh, the tax, the income tax on how much Trump paid got brought up in what was it, $750 or something he paid for uh, federal income tax. And you know what? Uh, I'm not going to say much about it because, you know, that is legal. And a lot of those wealthier people and other people, corporations and that, they do take advantage of those tax laws and you know, they hire those big tax attorneys and those tax accountants, and their only sole job is to get their clients not to pay as, many, as much taxes as they can. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Joe Biden probably takes advantage of the tax laws, too. He'd be stupid not to. He's the one that helped write them. So I'm sure he knows something about them. So I think the only way to get around that and to have people, I guess they always say, pay their fair share of taxes is probably some kind of a flat tax system. And uh, do I know the answers to the flat tax system? Hell no, I'm not that smart. I don't know exactly how that would work, but it seems to me like common sense would say that the flat tax system would be more fair for everybody and you wouldn't have uh, hundreds and thousands of pages of tax um codes and people have to interpret them. And I don't even think some of the attorney attorneys and accountants, there's no way they can know all those tax laws. And, you know, they know some of the loopholes, but it's just, uh, it's gotten way out of hand. So definitely need to look at that. Also next was on the vaccine. I thought Trump sounded pretty foolish on this vaccine, you know, saying it was going to come out that fast and everything. And then, of course, Biden saying, I wouldn't trust anything that Trump would bring out. Well, I'm, I'm going to agree with Biden on that. I'm not bring, I'm not trusting anything that's um, the vaccine that's brought out this fast either. You know, it's not gone through the proper trials and the safety precautions and that kind of thing. Shit, I don't want to take it either. So, I thought that he kind of looked foolish on the vaccine thing. Also, uh, you know, on shutting down the economy, Biden looked like a total puss on this. I mean, he's safety first, safety first. Yeah, that's great for you, um, Biden. You don't have no fucking business to run, a small business to meet payroll and to, you know, pay your rent and to meet all your bills. You don't have that. You've been a politician for 47 years, been taken care of, 
you know, I'm sure you didn't have that much money going in and you're a multimillionaire now coming out just like a lot of those politicians. So, you know, that's not quite how the system's supposed to work is you go in there and, you know, you have modest amount of money and you come out a multimillionaire. Uh, I mean, look at look at Obama, look at some of those other politicians, you know, they're just filthy rich now after they come out. So, yeah, um, so Biden, let me know, what what are we going to do on the next, when the next virus or the next big dilemma comes up? Are we going to shut down then too? I mean, that's ridiculous. So when when has the United States start of, started living like a bunch of pussies? That's, just answer me that. You know, we used to go face problems and uh, take on things, and now it seems like we want to run from them. So uh, I'm not in favor of that. If you know, if that's the way the country's going to go, then maybe we look at going to a different country or, because, uh, I, yeah, I, I refuse to live like that. And as far as like Trump, you can see why people don't like him. I mean, I think he's one of those divisive people. Either you love him or you hate him. And actually, I'm neither one of those. I, I'm right in the middle with him. I think he does some good things and <laughs> he definitely is an ass. Um, but you can see why people don't like him with his constant interruptions. I mean, he's arrogant, comes off as so arrogant and the guy's never wrong. He's not even partially wrong. So, uh, and you know what, Biden, Biden's kind of the same way. He'll never admit when he's wrong either. So, and, uh, you know, you can say about Trump, he does have charisma. I mean, uh, some people say, uh, Biden, he doesn't have charisma. Trump, he has the charisma. Biden has about as much charisma as a bologna sandwich, I'd say. And I'm not even talking about fried bologna, just a regular bologna sandwich. I mean, <laughs> did you notice, though, it's funny on the questions they were asked? And this is both of them. They would be asked a question and they would always veer back to their memorized uh points and you know their talking points and they never completely answered the questions so i think these two old fools have memorized their talking points and they can't get much past those because uh i mean neither one of these people are road scholars let's be honest with each other i don't think they're real deep thinkers and uh i yeah i just can't believe they're our presidential candidates but uh, they have their talking points, they have them memorized and you'll ask them one question and all of a sudden it goes back to their talking points. And then the moderator's like, uh, no, I ask you this, but <laughs> you know, it, it never changes. And, uh, also on Trump, why would you bring up a pro uh, person's kids? What purpose does that serve? I mean, he was talking about, uh, Biden's kids. I didn't, or his son, I guess. I didn't know he had a substance abuse problem, but apparently he did. And, um, you know what? I know some of the greatest people on earth and they have troubled kids. Sometimes it's not what you do or what you do, don't do. Sometimes you just have troubled kids. So I don't see, I didn't see why any purpose was served by bringing up somebody's kids. So, you know, kind of a low blow, I thought. Um, and then on Biden, I think that dude played a little rope-a-dope. I don't think he even knew it, but I think he played a little rope-a-dope and heavy emphasis on the dope there for both both of them. So you remember the old Muhammad Ali and who was it, George Foreman fight where, 
you know, George Foreman was the heavy favorite and Muhammad Ali, he would just kind of lay on the ropes and let George Foreman just punch him, keep punching and finally wore him out because George Foreman was such a big old dude. He wore him out and they called that the rope-a-dope. Um, so I kind of think Biden did that. I mean, you know, Trump did it to himself. He kind of punched himself out because he continually would interrupt. He wouldn't let Biden even answer some of the questions. And a lot of times, as we know, Biden will hang himself with some of those questions. I think if Trump would have just shut his mouth, let Biden tell his answer, and then he, you know, he's bound into that answer. And you can, he usually has the facts wrong or he lies a lot of times. Uh, so I think Trump made a mistake tactically there and he punched himself out. And towards the end of the, uh, towards the end of that debate, you definitely could see Biden was fading. And he kind of reminded me of myself at a movie theater, actually. Usually I'm, you know, an hour in, hour, 15 minutes in, and my kids are elbowing me because I'm sleeping. I usually can't get full through a full movie. So I kind of feel for you, Biden. I kind of know where you're coming from. But uh, so I was thinking, you know, uh, I watched this debate with my uh, wife and my daughter and they were just kind of looking at me and, you know, they were going, holy cow, I can't believe these guys, how they interrupt and how rude they are. And, you know, it was kind of towards the end. It was torture to watch this. I mean, it was exhausting. Um, you know, I can imagine if you're in person there and <laughs> what you thought. So, uh, kind of my take on that whole debate, I kind of think, uh, I'm going to give the victory to Biden in this. There was not a whole lot of expectation on Biden. I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to come out and really, you know, be a charismatic whirlwind and come up with some complex answers and, uh, be a great speaker or anything. And I think they kind of knew what Trump was going to be, but not quite as obnoxious. So I think uh, since Biden didn't fall asleep, his dementia didn't kick in and he didn't say anything real totally stupid. I think he probably got the victory by uh, by the rope-a-dope. He let, he let old, uh, Trump punch, him, punch himself out. And um, I definitely don't think either one of these guys looked great in this debate. I mean, if you're a ma if you're in the middle, if you're not either a Democrat or a Republican, you're still undecided and you're in the middle. Um, I don't think this debate changed your mind one way or the other. If it's like me, who I consider myself pretty much in the middle and, uh, I was kind of leaning towards Trump because of the economy and that kind of thing. But good Lord, um, after a debate like this, I don't want to vote for either one of these fools. Um, I probably would be throwing my vote away to vote for an independent, but God, it's, you know, it's really enticing to vote for an independent because yeah, uh, not a great show by either one of these. And then as far as Chris Wallace, who is the moderator goes, I mean, this guy, I guess at first he started out okay, but he was just overwhelmed. He did it. I think he did a crappy job. I think he was a real puss. I think uh, he's a real weenie when it came to, you know, trying to get order of the debate. And uh, he definitely got frustrated with Trump, you could tell. And it kind of seemed like those two were kind of sparring and debating back and forth. And uh, 
he would kind of let Joe Biden slide on a few of his uh, answers. He'd ask him a question and then he would kind of let him slide on it, say the time was up and that kind of thing. And, you know, I guess, Trump, you get what you get when you're that obnoxious and you're being an ass to him, too. So, um, yeah, Chris Wallace definitely was, I think, going towards uh, favoring Biden towards the end. And I think it was just because Trump was so damn obnoxious. So what I think, and here's my idea on the debate, is I'll tell you who needs to be the moderator of the debate. And that is my buddy and who I like to listen to on podcasts is Joe Rogan. I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. And, you know, a lot of his podcasts, they uh, they go like three, three and a half hours. So he better have somebody pretty damn interesting if I'm going to spend three hours on a podcast. But, you know, he does a good job. And he uh, what they uh, he had a guy on there and the guy kind of mentioned Joe Ro- Joe, you ought to be a um, the moderator for the presidential debate, well, it kind of caught fire then, and they have uh, signatures going out there, and he has around 300,000 signatures to present to the Commission on Presidential Debates, and this commission, would they would be the ones that would elect Joe Rogan as a moderator and say he would be fine to be a moderator, so I don't know. Maybe it will happen. I mean, he would be better than Chris Wallace, I guarantee you, and uh he would be fair. Um, Joe, you know, he's interviewed a lot of Democrats and a lot of Republicans, a lot of far lefts. Hell, he was going to vote for Bernie Sanders before he dropped out of the uh, debate. So I guess, uh, yeah, Joe, uh, if you're going to vote for Bernie Sanders, you're political. You're, you're kind of way left, I guess. But I think he would be pretty fair. Uh, he's interviewed, you know, several different types of people. Uh, He's a pretty smart guy, actually, and I think he would ask some pretty interesting questions. I think he wouldn't be intimidated by these two guys. I think he would keep them uh, more on the straight and narrow and, you know, more of the business-like atmosphere and ask the questions and try to get the answers. And he was also talking, I remember Joe Rogan on his podcast saying he would like it to be a four-hour debate. Ah, Joe, you might have to back off on that one. I don't think these two great grandpas could uh, stand it for four hours. I definitely think that they would be in their lounge chairs snoozing. There's no way that they would last the four hours. And you know what? Me, I'm as a watcher, there's no way I could make it four hours, especially if it went half of as crazy as it did last night. So, but yeah, Joe Rogan, you'd be a lot better than Cardi B interviewing uh, Joe Biden. I guarantee you that. So, um, yeah, come on, people. Let's get behind uh, the Joe Rogan interviewing these two. I think that would be a pretty interesting debate. So uh, what I would suggest to Joe, though, if you were going to uh, host this debate is you ought to have like a mute button or be able to shut off their mics. So when these guys are talking they would be asked a question. They'd be able to speak their two minutes or three minutes, whatever they decide on that they could answer the questions in. And then as soon as they're done, you shut off their mic. So you can't hear a damn word they're saying. So they can't interrupt each other. So I think that would be the uh, fair way. And I think that would be a pretty nice way to actually have the candidates have to answer the questions, not just go back to their talking points. And, uh, 
we'll actually see maybe what policies and what kind of thinkers these guys are, if they're thinkers at all. So all I, all I know is they're a little rude and they interrupt each other and they try to get off task and, um, you know, uh, neither one of them have a great attention span, it seems like. And so I think that would be an interesting debate. So let's get Joe Rogan on here. Let's get the mute button and let's see how it goes. All right. Thank you. So I had an interesting thing happen that's never happened to me before. Um, I got a, uh, anti invitation, I guess, an uninvite in the mail. It's kind of interesting. Um, so my niece was supposed to get married in Chicago on January 2nd of 2021. So I get this in the mail. It says due to the current state and local regulations regarding COVID-19 and out of care and concern for our family and friends, we're modifying our wedding celebration. While we will still have a small church ceremony in the presence of our immediate families on January 2nd, 2021, we are postponing our reception to a later date. A new wedding date will be announced as soon as possible. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused. Well, shit. So, I've already bought tickets. So, I have four tickets. I was going to fly the wife, myself, and the kids out. And so, of course, I went to the discount ticket place. And they won't take them back. So, now I am stuck with four tickets um everybody in the family says oh we can still go out there and have a vacation but you know what if i don't have to be in chicago in january i don't really want to be in chicago in january and uh since apparently i didn't make the cut on the immediate family uh, i have four tickets and nowhere to go out there plus some hotels and a car and hopefully i can cancel those but so i got on the uh horn and i asked uh the travel people that we bought the tickets through, I'm like, hey, what about Miami? God, Miami sounds great on January 2nd instead of Chicago. And uh, the guy says, sure, you know, for $500, you can go for Miami. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to spend the $500. And he says, oh, no, no, that's $500 per ticket. I said, Jesus Christ. 2,000 additional dollars to fly to from Denver to Miami instead of Denver to Chicago. So, yeah, that's great. But shit, you know what? I I just read on this weekend, too, that um, there were seven people dead and at least 42 other wounded in Chicago gun violence this weekend. So that really doesn't make me want to go to Chicago if I don't have anything to go to. So, yeah, I got a decision to make there cold ass Chicago in January or bite the bullet and go somewhere else maybe. But you know, any, the guy was telling me any place warm is going to cost you money. And, uh, cause I was even thinking Vegas would be kind of fun to go to. So I guess we will see. So yeah, that's my experience with an uninvite, which is pretty interesting. Okay, to end this podcast, this raw cast, we are going to do Hispanic Word of the Day. So the first Hispanic Word of the Day is exercise. Exercise. Tall people can reach the top shelf because they have exercise. The second 
Hispanic word of the day is buttercup. Buttercup. When you can't hear in the wind, you buttercup your ears. All right, everybody. Thanks again. It was fun. Look forward to the next one. Everybody have a great week. See you later.